Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to A Moment With, BE's first podcast. I'm Vicky, and each episode will be talking to leading experts in their fields, from technology to engineering. We hope to inspire you to take action and achieve your potential, and ignite your entrepreneurial spirit. Whether you've ever wanted to start your own business, or you're not sure where to begin, or just looking for that extra piece of inspiration, A Moment With uncovers the candid conversations of leading entrepreneurs, engineers, innovators, and change makers on their successes and failures that have shaped their lives today. guest with us, Raja, the founder and CEO of PharmaTrust, paving the way for pharmaceutical and healthcare industries to protect customers and increase efficiencies across all stakeholders using their blockchain technology. Welcome, Raja. Hi, Vicky. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having us today. Um, I just quickly wanted to dive in, I guess, into the deep end in terms of what your background is and how you actually got into the pharmaceutical industry. So my background is actually uh, legal. I um, My degree was uh, in law. My master's was also in law. Um, I was called to the bar. So I was working at the independent bar up until about 1995. So I was one of those few um, early IT lawyers. And in those days, uh, we're talking around early 90s, most lawyers either did real estate or banking. Um, and anyone who did things like IT uh, were looked down upon, actually. Of course, that all changed in 2000 when uh, IT lawyers were were really quite popular. The law was still adapting to IT and the internet and how to do business. And, you know, um, in fact, in, in around 94, 95, judges were changing the law literally six months, every six months. And so we'd have to change our standard terms and conditions to try and cater for the new rulings, etc. And most people actually didn't think, you know, the internet would take off. In fact, a lot of my banking uh, lawyer friends said, look, uh, this will never catch on. It's uh, too difficult to, to hack. No one will do banking on the internet. Of course, now we do, you know banking on our phones, let alone uh, on our laptops. Um, I always liked to discover new things. Um, So um, you might ask, well, how did you end up in the pharmaceutical business? So um, after a number of hops uh, between different companies, including British Telecom and Al Jazeera, uh, back in 2013, I used to read about uh, smart contracts. And, you know, there were a lot of these articles by mainly technical people talking about how self-executing contracts would mean there'd be no need for lawyers going forward, um, which I thought was quite quite an interesting concept. And that originally got me into the whole distributed uh, ledger technology and my curiosity over cryptocurrencies at that time. Um, what happened actually was, was a personal incident. Um, a relative of mine overseas uh, was taking counterfeit cancer drugs um, and that's uh, how the idea started initially, actually, to, to see if we could use distributed ledger technology to eliminate counterfeit drugs. Um, and since then, the company's grown. Uh, we now not only do what they call supply chain track and trace, uh, 
solutions, uh, which means we have to track medicines from the point of production to the point of consumption. Uh, and that's required by laws uh, in the EU as well as uh, in the US. Um, but we also do a personalized medicine solution and clinical trials. And the fundamental kind of basis of our solution is that the data we collect or the transactions that we record cannot be changed. So they're permanent digital records. You can, of course, update them, but you'll see who updated them, what the update was, etc. And what that does is it allows you to really digitize a lot of industries, particularly the regulated industries. Of course, pharmaceutical is the second most regulated industry after finance. So it lends itself uh, very well to the pharmaceutical industry in terms of um, not just digitization, but digitalization. There's a distinction in that you can do data analytics, you can start employing machine learning, and you can really um, you know, make sure the data going into AI engines is uncorrupted and, and accurate as well. So I know AI is, is really fashionable at the moment, but you have to ensure data going into an AI engine um, is is uh, not corrupted. Otherwise, of course, you're going to get bad results. So a little bit of a long background, but uh, there, there we go. Yes, it's very interesting that I guess you kind of fell into it by accident. Um, and I was just going to ask, how did you come up, I guess, with the technology side of things? Because like you said, you had a law background, um, but how did you come to the idea of blockchain, for example, with Pharma Trust? So, um, as I said before, I was really an IT lawyer um, and when, when I first started my career and, and then it became a TMT uh, kind of specialism, technology, media and telecom. So I've always worked with technology uh, people and I've always worked with technology products. Um, in terms of moving into blockchain, that was a transition, of course, when I started reading about smart contracts. Um, and when we first started the company back in 2016, there weren't a lot of blockchain developers. So I asked a technical guy who I knew, he asked somebody else, who asked somebody else. And then we, we actually found a Russian guy uh, in Budapest, Hungary, who'd worked on the Ethereum project as a freelancer to actually build the first core engine of our product just so we could see whether it would work or not. So, you know, a lot of these things um, aren't planned, as, as, as you've noticed, uh, you fall into it. And a lot of people that, that you end up meeting, you know, you meet in the, in the strangest things. But that's, again, the great thing about entrepreneurship, that uh, you really get to do things other people haven't uh, yet done. Yeah, that's very interesting um, what you said about how you never know what's going to happen, I guess, um, where your degree takes you could be something completely different. But I guess on the topic of entrepreneurship, did you ever see yourself as a, um, a natural entrepreneur or did you feel like you ever had those qualities? And if not, was there anything that shaped that entrepreneurial side of you? No, not at all. Actually, I, I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I'm, I'm a second generation immigrant, so... You know, immigrants typically want their children to be lawyers, accountants, doctors, etc. Particularly Asian ones. Um, so I, I went to, to to the legal side, and of course, in in, in the legal profession, you're very much about regulations, uh, how you regulate relationships between parties, etc. Um, and 
usually lawyers on the whole tend to be risk averse. Um, I was I was kind of a little bit fortunate in that I had a very good CEO when I first went in-house who kind of sat me in the middle of a sales floor. So I was surrounded by salespeople. And, you know, I really, at the time, I remember resenting it quite a lot because salespeople are very rowdy and, you know, uh, noisy and disruptive. But it, it taught me a number of things. One, one was how to prioritize and the other was how to um, multitask as well. And that kind of uh, stuck with me throughout my career. The other thing was uh, in most of the kind of roles I had, I was always in a managerial position. Either I was a company secretary or a director of, of the companies I, I was working for. So I did see kind of the commercial aspects. Um, but again, I, I never thought I'd enter the entrepreneurial uh, side of things. It came about simply because I saw a gap and a need that mm. needed to, to, to be plugged. Um, and uh, essentially, I just went for it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I was going to ask, did you ever have any mentors um, that supported you, I guess, with the more entrepreneurial side of things that told you to pursue this gap, I guess, in the market and push you to go and start your own company, for example? Um, no, not not to start off with. I mean, I, I realized I, I really wanted to to uh, create this product, and I really had this vision of it uh, being very effective. Um, and the, you know, for me, it was not just the fact that you're an entrepreneur, but you're really impacting lives of people. You know, you're saving lives, essentially. One million people approximately die each year from counterfeit drugs. Um, it's a, it's, uh, it's a billion-dollar, $200 billion industry. So not a lot of people know about that. Um, what did happen, though, when I did set up the company, uh, I got in touch with people I'd worked with in the past, and the CEO that I told you that sat me in the middle of a sales floor ended up becoming our deputy chairman, actually. And um, he, 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 for me, is a great mentor. Um, I think everyone who uh, goes into an entrepreneurial kind of uh, position should try and find an experienced mentor. I mean, I'm an older guy, but he's even older than me. Um, for two reasons. One, one is, of course, benefiting from their uh, experience. So they're a very good sounding board. But don't underestimate the stresses and strains of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's much easier just having a nine to five job. And trust me. Um, and I think, you know, when you have a mentor, when you're going through your difficult times and hard times, it's really good to have somebody who looks at it from a different perspective to the narrow kind of perspective you're seeing life uh, at that moment. So uh, for me, you know, I would really recommend people not just get the experience of these people, but just have a have a person that can comfort them through through very difficult periods. Hmm. And you mentioned, I guess, the stresses and strains of entrepreneurship. Is there any really big lessons, life lessons that you've learned from PharmaTrust and or your previous career? So coming into the pharmaceutical industry is actually quite difficult if you're not from that industry. Um, they don't see anything wrong with it. You know, when you, even when you give them statistics of, look, there's a million people dying from counterfeit drugs, you know, it's a $200 billion industry, 
Um, and then when you're doing really innovative, cutting edge solutions like blockchain and distributed ledger uh, kind of stuff, which not a lot of people understand, um, it can be very kind of, um, uh, you know, it really kills your motivation and enthusiasm because, you know, you go in there and you think, right, I've got a, a product for you which secures your data, but allows you to kind of uh, cooperate with lots of different people. So you only show data to those that, that need to see it um, and will give you millions in savings, but more importantly, will uh, protect patients. And, you know, some of these pharmaceutical companies, they're, they're bigger than most governments. Uh, so, you know, there's lots of processes and procedures. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a tough kind of three years but uh, we've noticed this year, a lot of people are actually coming to us now. So, you know, it's, it's not a short process. I, I think, uh, um, you know, there, there's a saying which says it takes many years to become an overnight success. And uh, I, th I think that's a, a very valid point. Uh, you really need that stamina and strength of character and belief in what you're doing to be able to carry you through very, very difficult times be it financial, be it not being able to uh, contact people, and be it um, having to handle rejection, which mm -hmm. um, certainly when you're in cutting-edge industries or, or sectors like ours, you're going to get rejected a lot. And what would be your advice, I guess, going through these tough times? Because we currently, I guess, with the current climate, we are in tough times. For businesses that are struggling, um, what would your advice be to them? Um, I, th I think we have a quite a unique situation now in terms of COVID, right? Mm. Um, so fortunately, you know, we're in the healthcare sector, so it's actually impacted us in, in a more beneficial way than, than many other industries. You know, the, 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 there's a, a saying, I, th I think it's Buddha, he says, uh, the only constant is change, right? you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to pivot. I mean, we, we have a, for example, we have a track and trace solution, uh, which is mainly for pharmaceutical uh, packets. So we, we track individual packets of drugs. Now, when COVID happened, we, we actually did a proposal. I won't say who we sent it to, but we did a proposal which would track the test kits, COVID test kits, and it would also track the results but anonymize the data of the subject. So you, you comply with data protection uh, mm -hmm. regulations. Unfortunately, we, we, we got the rejection only six weeks ago, I think, <laughs> that they didn't want our solution. Now, again, it's, it's for, it comes back to, look, you have to cope with, with that kind of thing, but you also have to try and pivot to whatever the circumstances um, uh, require you to, to, to adapt to. Um, so, there are occasions where you have to look at your environment. You may have an absolutely brilliant idea, but it's just not going to run. And unless you have money to be able to allow you to continue, um, or you can do other things until the market catches up with you, um, it, it's probably a good idea to really think long and hard about what, what you want to do in the future. And, you know, th there's um, opportunities are taken from one side, but given on the other you know it's that old saying of when one door sh shuts another one opens 
and you know, I, I, I really uh, believe that that is the case, uh, certainly for for the tough time we've we we had over the years. Yeah, um, and if you don't mind, the tough times that you mentioned, was there ever, I guess, like a pivot that you changed from? Is the idea that Pharma Trust is now was it very similar to what it was at the beginning, and how I guess did you pivot along the way? So it's. There was when we first started that we um, farmer trust and we got into that uh, blockchain element. It was around 2016 when mm-hmm. when I first started it and had actually only there was only three people. Um, two of them didn't didn't uh, continue, and I carried on with it and then got new people. And then there was this like boom period of 2017 where everyone was talking about blockchain, but. Um, uh, it was more on the cryptocurrency side and all that kind of token fiasco. And then there was a massive dip, and they called it the crypto dip. And I'd seen this before, actually, uh, during the dot-com boom and bust. Um, so I always felt, look, if we can survive the kind of winter period of, of blockchain, uh, we should be good. And, you know, I, I remember reading about Apple and Amazon, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, companies that you look back, uh, which actually came out of the dot-com bust. And I'm hoping we're one of those companies that comes out of the uh, blockchain bust to, to, to be able to help uh, uh, people around the world. Wow. Um, and could you actually describe to our listeners, I guess, what is blockchain, blockchain and AI? Because I hear a lot of those buzzwords, but it might be a bit too complicated to explain now, but just, I guess, a brief explanation so fundamentally i mean i've had to always explain this the easiest way i can explain it in a non-technical way is uh, blockchain or distributed ledger technologies is is the kind of uh, real term for it is a process of making permanent records and the way one does that is i have a ledger you have a ledger uh, chris has a ledger And when we're recording um, data, I record it, you record it, and Chris records it. So if any one of us is um, a dishonest actor, for example, the other two will keep you in check. Um, And that's how it works at a very basic level. There's all sorts of uh, cryptography and, and mathematical equations that need to be done. But in its base form, it allows you to create permanent records. Um, AI is artificial intelligence. So this is, I mean, the, the diff- people describe it in different ways, but there's programs that kind of like learn um, and create their own intelligence or there's uh, programs that take data, interpret it in different ways and give you an answer. So um, one is fundamentally a technology blockchain, that is, um, to ensure data integrity. And the other one is more of a, um, intelligence in terms of uh, making decisions on their own or independent of humans. Right. And in terms of technology and I guess the pharmaceutical industry, where do you see this sector going um, in the future, especially now, like you said, it's quite uncertain times. Where do you expect it to end up? As, and also pharma trust and how and where they're going to be in terms of the industry as well. So in the pharmaceutical, I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is, is for an outsider, quite, quite a bizarre sector, actually, because a lot of things are discovered by accident. You know, a, lot, a lot of medicines and cures, whether you look back at antibiotics and, and how they were discovered or 
you know, Viagra, the lifestyle drug, uh, how that was discovered, you know, that was uh, essentially for, 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 for uh, heart, uh, as a heart remedy, sorry. Um, and, and it goes on. Um, they're really conservative when it comes to the IT side of it. So they don't like to try and experiment with IT for, 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 for some bizarre uh, reason. And I find that uh, quite interesting. Um, where I think we're going to make uh, really uh, big leaps and bounds is I think people are waking up to um, blockchain technology and the benefits it can do in terms of efficiencies for the pharmaceutical supply chain. And I think the issues certainly we've had in the UK when it comes to Brexit, COVID, shortages, oversupply, waste, etc. I think more and more people understand you can use the blockchain platform to really help mitigate, um, uh, you know, shortages or oversupply uh, and help with demand uh, planning. The area I'm really excited about is we're the only blockchain company which has uh, what they call a uh, personalized medicine solution for cell and gene therapies. So these therapies are essentially for things like blood cancers or leukemia. And what they do is they take a sample of your blood, uh, they separate out the T cells and they train them to recognize the particular cancer you're suffering from. And then they duplicate those T cells and reintroduce it into your body. And essentially your own immune system kills the cancer. Um, so actually you, you become vaccinated against that uh, particular strain of cancer. Um, and I, I, you know, have real big hopes. The sector is, is growing. The number of treatments that are coming out of clinical trials is, is, is also uh, higher. So um, I think um, blockchain in that industry is really going to succeed because it's, um, it's a new area. They don't have legacy systems to deal with. And yeah. essentially, we've, we've got a solution that really is going to help them um, um, broaden and increase the number of treatments they can provide patients. Mm. That's very interesting what you said about cancer research. I think that will honestly be very revolutionary as well, that this has such great potential. So it's very exciting to hear um, your thoughts on the industry. In terms of, um, I guess, your reach and countries or maybe other parts of the UK, for example, is there um, a specific area that you find the biggest problem, I guess, or the biggest gap in the market for you as Pharma Trust to go in and solve and help patients? Um, it depends on what kind of sector you're looking at. As I said, we work in three, three different sectors. If you're looking at the pharmaceutical sector, as I said, some of the issues they've got right now really relate around uh, shortages. I mean, it starts off with PPE. Uh, kit, um, uh, you know, we, we could solve that very easily. Um, you probably saw the news this week that a lot of test results were lost because of an error on Excel. Mm. Now, I mean, if you're using Excel in the pharmaceutical or healthcare sector right now, that that's really quite negligent, to be honest. Um, uh, whereas with our platform, you can't do that because the records are permanent. Um, so why people are using Excel spreadsheets or paper is, is beyond me. Do you find that other countries, for example, developing countries have a larger issue with um, 
problems with locating drugs and things like that and how Trust could help. The emerging markets, particularly uh, Africa, and we, we are in discussions with, with actually some international bodies and NGOs. Um, the system was designed, as I said, initially for the emerging markets. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is in the emerging markets where they do not have technical infrastructure or fiber or you know copper for, for telephony, we use the mobile phone network. And the reason or uh, Sorry, the reason we use the mobile phone networks is, you know, a lot of people may not have like the basics in those countries, but they usually have one or two phones um, and the mobile phone networks are quite, quite advanced. The second thing is, of course, um, we, we're app based. So we're a software solution mainly. Um, so anyone who can download uh, our app on a $50 LG phone or $25, you know, um, uh, uh, phone can scan a medicine and it will tell them whether it's uh, genuine or not. Um, so the emerging markets can really benefit because we've really cracked that cost effectiveness, but not having to utilize huge IT systems to be able to track the medicines. It's very interesting to hear. Um, I'm glad that there's a solution out there as well to I guess, improve the health of the patients. Um, I wanted to touch upon, you talked about, I guess, the barriers to entry, for example, in that industry. And do you think that there is, I guess, um, hesitance to use, for example, blockchain technology? And that's why the market is, I guess, slower or behind in a way? Um, I think, yes, people don't understand blockchain. Um, it was the same same thing with with as the example I gave you earlier in terms of internet banking. Um, you know, when I first got into the industry, most people said that, that people would never bank online. Um, so it is it, it is a matter of understanding. And most of the guys in senior positions, you tend to find, came from a hardware background um, yeah. because that was the thing in, in, in the 2000s, early 2000s, et cetera. Whereas, you know, blockchain is much more of a, a distributed ledger technology. So in terms of competitiveness, I have to make this point. China is investing uh, heavily in blockchain technologies uh, and strategically, um, as are other countries like uh, Dubai, for example, you know they really want to be uh, a blockchain company, and there's there's other other examples as well. So you know that should show you the efficiencies, the coordination, and um, the cost savings that these platforms are going to give the Chinese companies and industries. Really needs to be looked at closely, um, and you know that's a great thing about China. They they kind of like focus on one thing and say right. Let's go for it. Um, and, you know, the West, we kind of always thought we were much better at R&D, we're much more advanced, but they're very conservative in, in these new new uh, uh, sectors of technology, and that, that may actually cause issues five years or ten years down the line. So, uh, you know, people who are coming out of university, they're going to find okay, well, uh, our industries have been decimated because... Um, some Asian tigers have taken over everything. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of, I guess, um, push for our generation, I guess, the younger generation in a way to make sure that we're more digitally literate and we're more aware of different technologies. And there's a lot more 
I guess, education around it. And I hope that will help to propel different industries and move, I guess, the old traditional ways of the approach that you were just talking about. Because I think that technology can be quite scary or quite new, but it has the potential to really help a lot of the industries, especially from what you were saying about the pharmaceutical industry. Um, So I guess on that note, what do you think is the importance of young people um, and the younger generation learning about and being aware of these the technology side of things in terms of like blockchain, for example? Well, to be honest, I'd, I'd be surprised if if uh, people of your generation are not, you know, using bitcoins and ETH and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, these these things are being adopted very quickly um, mm. by. by uh, is it Generation X? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> you're, you're Z, aren't you? Um, Generation Z, sorry. Um, I, they, I mean, we can't compete as a country on mm-hmm. manufacturing. It's, it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be on intellectual ability. And so, you know, really getting into technologies, understanding it, I think, I think is good mm-hmm. because it will help in the future. Uh, definitely yeah I think for me I need to be more aware of guest technology because like you said I'm barely aware of um, bitcoin in terms of for example if I wanted to work on my finances and invest in bitcoin I don't know where to get all of that information so sometimes it's I guess where the source of the information and how we can actually learn and make decisions to help different industries propel um and I guess I wanted to shift the conversation towards, I guess, more of your career and entrepreneurship in general. I think maybe a lot of our inter- um, listeners would be interested in, for example, starting their own company or working for startups. Um, and I guess what's really interesting is that you don't have the typical background um, of business, for example. And what would you say is your biggest advice for starting your own business um, for our younger generation, I guess? Um, one would be uh, once you've made your plan, plans and you, you've got faith in, 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 in the product, have no fear, just go for it, really. Um, if, if, if I was going to look back on life, I would have kind of done this kind of thing at your age rather than where I am now, uh, simply because uh, I, th- I think when you're younger, uh, you're, you're much more confident, you're much more brash and if you don't mind me saying most people don't have other responsibilities like you know school fees and kids and and all that kind of stuff so uh you have a better opportunity to take more risks and i mean business risks uh, in, in in that kind of thing and that that can be a massive advantage actually as, a, as an entrepreneur the second thing is you will learn a lot I mean, I know they have these courses on entrepreneurship and all this kind of stuff. For me, when it comes to uh, being an entrepreneur, a lot of it is to do with uh, developing your own strength of character mm-hmm. and also um, learning how to deal with people. Um, communication skills are, are yeah. vital because you really need to get your team um, heading in the same direction. Um, and you need to sell your idea, not just to your customers, but to uh, VCs or financiers. Mm. Um, and, uh, but the most important thing is just literally 
just go and try it um, because a lot of people actually fall down at the first step, which is, oh, I'm not sure about this or this isn't going to happen. And some others say, oh, well, you know, what's different about your product? Yeah. But you know, what's different between MySpace and, say, Facebook or Instagram and, I don't know, some other uh, product? It's what you can do better uh, than mm. the other guy. And uh, I think that's all important. Yeah, it's very inspiring to hear. And I think that is probably definitely um, problems that I face is just the doubt that I have in the project or the idea. It's just going for it and just trying for it because you never know until you try and you have to make those mistakes first. What's the worst that's going to happen, Vicky? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, commit fraud or deliberately try and try and go bankrupt. What's the worst that's going to happen in your life? You might lose a year, okay, but you've learned far more than had you got a job as whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and you can go back to that. That's a great thing, you know, um, at your age, you can go back to, to mm. your career. I mean, at my age, you, you're never going to get a job again. <laughs> that's just the reality of it. But, uh, you know, you can try it. If it doesn't work out, you can get a job and then you can try it again. Mm. Um, so, you know, have that innate um, uh, confidence in yourself and just ask yourself, what's different about, uh, you know, Richard Branson or mm. Jeff Bezos or, you know, uh, all, all these other guys? Um, nothing. There's no difference between you and them. It's just they took that step. To, to do something um, yeah. and th these guys aren't geniuses I, I, I don't care you know people say oh Elon Musk is a genius blah, blah. no he's not he's an ordinary guy he got kicked out of uh, PayPal in the early days himself so you know he's he's just a guy who has a lot of self-confidence and mm -hmm. you know brands his own image so I would I would, you know, firmly tell your listeners, look, have confidence in yourself. Of course, um, some people are shy, but that shouldn't stop you from mm. actually having self-confidence. In fact, the, the, my mentor, the CEO, uh, when I had my job interview, there was always very long pauses. He wouldn't ask me anything or say anything. Um, and I remember the headhunter, he said, oh, how did the interview go? I said, oh, I was rubbish. The guy didn't say anything to me. I had to force information out of him. And, you know, it was actually only recently, about four years ago, when, when I first started talking to him about pharma trust, I said, Peter, what are these long silences about? You know, I never had the confidence to ask you before. Um, and is it, is it to, like, disarm or, like, you know, is it some kind of mind game you play with, with, with the other guys? He said, no, Raja, I'm really, really shy. <laughs> so um, the, the point I'm, I'm making is, you know, just go for it, uh, whether you're confident or shy or not. Learn, learn more. Um, nothing really is going to go too badly for you. That's a nice positive note. Um, but I just wanted to ask, I guess, was there a moment in your career that I guess things did go wrong? And how did you pivot and deal with that situation? If you want to share, <laughs> that is. <laughs> well, look, uh, I mean... Uh, you know, the funny thing is, when you get to my age, uh, Vicky, uh, you, you look back on your life and, you know, the moments you thought things went wrong, actually, when you look at it in, in a bigger time span, mm -hmm. um, you see that it's great that thing happened because had that not happened, 
this really great thing would have not happened. Yeah. Um, so yes, there's there's lots of uh, things that 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 uh, have been a, an issue, but I have to say, looking back on it, it's it's you know always been of benefit. Yeah. Um. And I guess another question about entrepreneurship in general: How do you balance the life? Um, aspect work-life balance as they say is that part of the entrepreneurship life or is there no balance <laughs> I forget it there's a, there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to uh, be prepared as an entrepreneur not not to have any life it's uh, <laughs> there's no balance you know you, you're working very long hours uh, when you're in a global business as well you, you can work quite quite late um but I, I, the only advice I would give on that perspective um, is how you manage your stress because stress is, is a real issue um, and it's also a mindset. So what I would say to your listeners is don't look at stress as a negative kind of emotion or, or feeling. Look at it as a way of your body and your mind helping you to cope with the pressure you're under so you have to switch that into kind of a positive mode um and the other thing is don't worry about things until they become a problem um, I'm, I'm, you know this is actually what one thing my mentor said to me you know we we tend to as as humans just worry about things that never actually arise as, a, as an issue and of course if you if you're not being dishonest and, and you're not being negligent or reckless most problems will be solved one way or the other so um you know it comes back to just have faith in yourself mm. it's very inspiring to hear because i think i am definitely a warrior um worry about all the things before they even happen um and i guess this comes to my last question i know you've touched on it before but would there be any advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self um, about what to do, apart from what you already said before? I mean, it's, 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 it's a difficult one because, you know, coming back to the point, as I, I said, I look back on, on life and, you know, the things I thought were a problem at the time actually ended up being of benefit. Um I, th I think I would actually come back to the point about worrying, Vicky. I, th I think, you know, at that age, worry less, um, have more confidence in yourself. Um, but, yeah, I, th I think my issue, main issue would be worrying too much. Because, you know, especially when you're in the legal profession, you want to go up the career, you want to do everything perfectly, you want to make sure your drafting is great, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and people tend to, to worry about those uh, things when, when they're young but as you grow older and have experience you realize many of the things that you worry about are quite insignificant thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed it please feel free to rate and review our podcast don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and make sure you follow us on social media at bath entrepreneurs on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Stay tuned for the next episode of A Moment With.